What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its Opry ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. Welcome to the campfire, the only place where friends and strangers alike sit down and tell tales in truth or fiction in exchange of my blessing of their safe travels. Allow me to relight the fire while you relax and listen. Make your mind wander about the reality we live in. The story I'm about to tell you is from a traveler named Orn Beach. He called this experience, The Tall Things Are Watching. Please, allow me to tell you his tale. We can't leave the house. They've boarded up our doors and windows, started shooting people trying to break free. There are things in the streets, tall things. I see their shadows sometimes as they run past the wooden boards. I hear the rumble of their feet. I don't know what they are. None of us do. They cut our access to television and the internet when the lockdown began. They even took out the cell tower and said they didn't want us communicating with the outside world, telling them about what's going on out here. I think she's right. It's been two weeks since the men in suits came by. They said they worked for government intelligence and that they were looking for a terrorist. They didn't strike me as government types, personally. They looked distracted, spaced out, more like Scientologists than CIA agents. But then I've never met a Scientologist or a CIA agent. So who was I to tell the difference? Either way, they said it would be over soon, and they sounded official. More importantly, they had guns. We'll need to search every household, they explained. We can't have anybody leaving before we've cleared their property. So we'll have to board you in. It made sense, I guess. In a twisted dystopian nightmare sort of way. It made sense all the way up until the end of the fourth night when the tall things started roaming the streets. They were dressed in long raincoats, hooded. The way they moved gave me the chills, all jerky and spastic. So I stayed away from the windows. And didn't mind though. She was fascinated by them. She and our gun nut neighbor, Old Ty, exchanged theories written on pieces of cardboard, holding them up to the glass of our windows. Government experiment, she wrote on hers. Alien invasion, he wrote on his. At first, it seemed to just be a bit of innocent, morbid fun, finding some humor in a bizarre situation. Then Anne watched one of the tall things kill somebody, and everything changed. It was an elderly man in our cul-de-sac. Mr. Douglas, and watched him open his door, hammer down the boards as one of the tall things walked by. He shouted at it, told it to get over here so he could see just what kind of unholy bullshit his tax dollars were being used to fund. Next thing you know, there are sirens in the streets. Soldiers rushed his home. There's a megaphone shouting at him to get back inside. All of it is useless. All of it happens far too late, because the moment Douglas starts yelling at the tall thing. It starts to twitch and jerk like it can't control its own behavior. Like a predator hungry for a meal. It snaps its head toward Douglas, then tears across his lawn and snaps him up in its lawn. Spider-like hands. It lifts him off the ground. Then, he screams. 
He screams and he screams until the tall thing lowers the hood of its rain jacket. And then Douglas goes pale as a ghost. Silent. According to Anne, that's when the skin of his face started to bubble and pop. That's when he started hissing out steam, smoking as his flesh sizzled beneath his clothes as if he were boiling alive from the inside out. Next thing you know, he's dripping onto the pavement. Dripping and dripping until there's nothing left of him but a puddle of flesh and clothes. Nobody tries to step in. Not any of the soldiers, not Anne, and not even old Ty and all his guns. Everybody watches in stunned silence as the tall thing finishes its execution and saunters away. The soldiers roam with them. The soldiers and the people in long white clothes. Anne says they're lab coats, and the people are researchers studying the tall things as experiments. But I think they look more like robes, like clergymen. All of them wear helmets with tinted visors. It's as though they don't want to get a good look at things. After Mr. Douglas, more people on the block decided to make a break for it. Maybe they realized this was worse than they thought. Maybe they started wondering what the point of keeping us locked away like this was. Were we food for these creatures? Were they trying to turn us into them? None of us knew. All we could say for certain is that the killing didn't stop with Mr. Douglas. I woke up one morning to see several of my neighbors shot dead in their yards, their lifeless eyes gazing back at me from the grass. Nobody came to pick them up. They were left there to rot, picked apart by birds and stray dogs. Soon, gunshots were ringing out at all hours of the day. People wanted out, but the soldiers wouldn't let them leave, and so the bodies began to pile up. Eventually, I think Anne and I were the only two left alive in our cul-de-sac. Even old Ty had seemed to vanish, probably shot dead in his backyard. I'd rarely known death in my life, and now the sheer volume of it was numbing me. I couldn't process it. I didn't know how. But then, almost out of the blue, the government had a change of heart. Or maybe they just shifted tactics. Suddenly, they began letting people leave. I saw it first with a house at the very end of the road. I watched the woman who lived there break out with a baby tucked in her arm and a grade schooler holding her hand. The three of them darted across their lawn, jumped over their father's corpse, and piled into their minivan on the street. The entire time, a soldier in white coat stood only meters away, quietly observing. It didn't take long for the rumbling to begin, that telltale sound of approaching death, of one of the tall things coming to claim its prize. The van started up, backfiring a plume of exhaust into the air. I listened as the woman shrieked for joy, but I knew the joy would be short-lived. See, from my vantage point at the end of the lane, I saw something that she never could. The boot locked around her rear tire. The van rode forward as she pressed the gas, and then clunked to a stop. My heart broke. The look on her face, the desperation wasn't for her. It was for her children in the back. The rumble reached a crescendo, and in the blink of an eye, a tall thing crashed into the van and knocked it over like a diecast toy. I couldn't make out much beyond that. Nothing but the sound of the monster tearing into the roof of the van and pulling the crying children out one by one while their mother begged for mercy. If I were a better, stupider man, I may have kicked down my door and tried to save them. But I wasn't. I was a coward. Instead, I fell to my living room carpet and cried. I laid there and listened as their flesh popped and sizzled as their skin fell to the pavement in long, heavy drips. It's a sound I'll never forget. The next day, 
things got worse. The soldiers no longer cared about enforcing the lockdown or even keeping people safely indoors. Now they were breaking them out. Like hungry wolves, they tore down boarded up doors and kicked in living room windows, dragging families out onto their lawns for slaughter. If the screens were horrible before, now they were unbearable. You couldn't ignore them. Anne and I cranked our sound system to the max, but it only served as background static. The dying cut through everything. That night we barely slept. Anne tossed and turned beside me while I stared blankly at the ceiling fan above. There was an understanding between us. We had been abandoned. Nobody was coming to help us. Nobody coming to arrest these monsters and save the day. We were alone. How long until she and I were dragged out of our home? How long until we became the next experiment chained to our fence? Waiting to be attacked by one of those creatures. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe next week. Neither of us knew, and somehow that made it all the worse. I woke up to sunlight peeking through our boarded-up bedroom window. Anne was missing. I looked all over the house for her before I found her note on the kitchen counter. Scribbled quickly. I know you're afraid, the note read, but I have to leave. You might think we'll make it through this, that once they've had their fill of guinea pigs, they'll let the rest of us go free. But I promise you they'll come for us soon. This might be my last chance. Since you won't come with me, I'm going alone. I wish I could have said a proper goodbye, but I know you'd try to stop me. Love always, Annabelle. She left through the basement hatch. I know this because I spotted her corpse some five feet away through our kitchen window. She gazed back at me, a look of shock painted across her pale face, with a small red dot where the bullet pierced her skull. I couldn't even muster the courage to step out and bury her. Instead, the raccoons and dogs took care of her, one piece at a time. She was right, though. Eventually, they did come for me. It was over a week later. By then, I didn't have the will to resist. I waited patiently at the kitchen table, drunk with a glass of whiskey as soldiers, and white coats dragged me from the house. When I'd seen it happen to other people, it seemed to occur so quickly. Now, it happened in slow motion. I heard every word from the soldier's mouth, every command. First, he patted me down and ensured I was disarmed. Then he told me this was all routine and nothing to worry about. Together, they took me out into my yard. The white coat asked me if I had lived a good life if I had been a man of faith. I didn't know what to say. Maybe I was simply too drunk, or maybe I truly didn't care anymore. It's not as bad as it looks, the white coat assured me. You'll be at peace once it's over, brother. In the distance came the growing rumble of the monster's feet, of the tall thing coming to claim its bounty. How many more after this? The soldier asked the white coat, his hand painfully gripping my shoulder. Sixteen. Then us, sister. Then us. The rumbling deepened. The tall thing was getting closer and soon my heart was beating in sync with its stampeding footfalls. Memories flashed in my mind. Memories of Anne, of my dead neighbors, of the mother who lived at the end of the road and her children. Now puddles of flesh on the pavement. My hands became fists. Indignation and fury grew inside of me, stoked by whiskey fumes. Why do this? I growled. Why not just put a bullet in my head? Because we love you, brother said the white coat. You waited patiently. You had faith, and for that, you will be rewarded with salvation. You will be raptured. The tall thing rounded the corner, 
its legs slapping against the ground in great strides. Its frame eclipsed the moon, casting a shadow across me and stealing the breath from my lungs. It slowed down as it reached my lawn, sauntering this way and that. What are they? I whispered. The ones that made us, the white coat replied. Those that gave us life. I shrank away as the tall thing neared, but the soldier shoved me forward. Be strong, brother. Show it your conviction. We were brought to this planet long ago, but now our time is served and we're finally going home. Don't you want to go home? The tall thing reached up to its hood. As it did, the soldier's grip loosened and both he and the white coat stepped to the side. Away from the creature's view. I would not scream, I told myself. No matter what, I wouldn't give these monsters the satisfaction of my terror. It pulled back on its hood and something grotesque looked down on me. It was as if a hundred different faces had been stitched together, fused into an abomination that seemed to smile from fifteen mouths. We come in peace, it said. My teeth bit into my cheeks, clenching them closed. A whimper escaped me, a whimper and a groan as my stomach filled with a soup of boiling horror. I would not scream. No matter the pain, I would not scream. Its long, spindly hands gripped my face. It cocked its head to the side, a hundred different eyes blinking back at me. Then it tugged at the bottom of my mouth, but I wasn't going to let it have its way. I clenched my jaw, holding it closed. The creature blinked at me. Then it repositioned its grip. Crack. It snapped my jaw like cardboard. I roared in agony, my lower mouth hanging limply from my face. Tears fell from my eyes in a torrent. SHH, it whispered, slipping a finger down my throat. I choked and gagged. It fished its finger around as a hundred different eyes rolled back, and fifteen mouths began muttering an alien language. I struggled against it, pulling at its arm, but it was useless. The monster was too strong. Then a gunshot rang out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And another. The tall thing wheeled around, dropping me onto my lawn as the soldier began shouting into his radio. The next second... A bullet found the soldier in the head. The white coat shrieked, fleeing around my fence as around caught her in the shoulder. The tall thing shot up to its full height, standing level with the street lamps, and then sprinted toward the shooter, toward old Ty. He'd set up a kill zone on his roof, surrounded by rifles and ammo. He'd waited for a moonless night to do his business, and now he was raining lead onto the creature like a blizzard of death. What are you waiting for? He bellowed. Get moving, dipshit. I did. I stole away, hiding in shrubs and behind sheds, watching as tall things came roaring down streets, jumping over houses and knocking over cars as they tried to reach old Ty. He only lasted a few minutes. That's when the shooting stopped, but it was enough time for me to get away. Maybe enough time for others, too. It took me three hours to hike through Debbie Forest and make it to the next town. And once I did, I breathed a sigh of relief. There weren't any soldiers. No white coats. Most importantly, there weren't any tall things melting people in their clothes. Just quiet stillness, the thing early mornings were meant for. I made my way to the sheriff's department to blow the whistle on what was going on. 
to explain that people were being shot, that tall things were melting people on the street, and that we needed to get our ass in gear and call in the National Guard. No, scratch that. We needed to call in fucking NATO. But as I got to the door of the precinct, I stopped. Something gleamed in the corner of my eye, catching my attention. It was there, at the edge of the curb. A puddle. The strange thing was, it hadn't rained in weeks. Now, that was the end of my tale. I hope you enjoyed yourself, listening while escaping the world you live in. That is all for today. Safe travels, and a blessed day. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.